chapter four of cleopatra by georg ebers translated by mary j safford this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter four the house facing the garden of the paneum where barine lived was the property of her mother who had inherited it from her parents the artist leonax the young beauty's father son of the old philosopher didymus had died long before after barine's unhappy marriage with philostratus was dissolved she had returned to her mother who managed the affairs of the household she too belonged to a family of scholars and had a brother who had won high repute as a philosopher and had directed the studies of the young octavianus this had occurred long before the commencement of the hostility which separated the heirs of caesar and mark antony but even after the latter had deserted octavia the sister of octavianus to return to cleopatra the object of his love and there was an open breach between the two rivals for the sovereignty of the world antony had been friendly to arius and borne him no grudge for his close relations to his rival the generous roman had even given his enemy's former tutor a fine house to show him that he was glad to have him in alexandria and near his person the widow berenike barine's mother was warmly attached to her only brother who often joined her daughter's guests she was a quiet modest woman whose happiest days had been passed in superintending the education of her children barine the fiery hippias and the quiet helena who for several years had lived with her grandparents and with faithful devotion assumed the duty of caring for them she had been more easily guided than the two older children for the boy's aspiring spirit had often drawn him beyond his mother's control and the beautiful vivacious girl had early possessed charms so unusual that she could not remain unnoticed hippias had studied oratory first in alexandria and later in athens and rhodes three years before his uncle arius had sent him with excellent letters of introduction to rome to become acquainted with the life of the capital and try whether in spite of his origin his brilliant gifts of eloquence would forward his fortunes there two miserable years with an infamous unloved husband had changed the wild spirits of barine's childhood into the sunny cheerfulness now one of her special charms her mother was conscious of having desired only her best good in uniting the girl of sixteen to philostratus whom the grandfather didymus then considered a very promising young man and whose advancement in addition to his own talents his brother alexis antony's favourite promised to aid she had believed that this step would afford the gay beautiful girl the best protection from the perils of the corrupt capital but the worthless husband had caused both mother and daughter much care and sorrow while his brother alexis who constantly pursued his young sister-in-law with insulting attentions was the source of almost equal trouble berenike often gazed in silent astonishment at the child who spite of such sore grief and humiliation had preserved the innocent light-heartedness which made her seem as if life had offered her only thornless roses 
her father leonax had been one of the most distinguished artists of the day and barine had inherited from him the elastic artist temperament which speedily rebounds from the heaviest pressure to him also she owed the rare gift of song which had been carefully cultivated and had already secured her the first position in the woman's chorus at the festival of the great goddesses of the city every one was full of her praises and after she had sung the yalamas in the palace over the waxen image of the favourite of the gods slain by the boar her name was eagerly applauded to have heard her was esteemed a privilege for she sang only in her own house or at religious ceremonials for the honour of the gods the queen too had heard her and after the adonis festival her uncle arius had presented her to antony who expressed his admiration with all the fervour of his frank nature and afterwards came to her house a second time accompanied by his son antyllus doubtless he would have called on her frequently and tested upon her heart his peculiar power over women had he not been compelled to leave the city on the day after his last visit berenike had reproved her brother for bringing the queen's lover to barine for her anxiety was increased by the repeated visits of antony's son and still more aroused by that of caesarion who was presented by antyllus these youths were not numbered among the guests whose presence she welcomed and whose conversation afforded her pleasure it was flattering that they should honour her simple home by their visits but she knew that caesarion came without his tutor's knowledge and perceived by the expression of his eyes what drew him to her daughter besides berenike in rearing the two children who had been the source of so much anxiety had lost the joyous confidence which had characterized her own youth whenever life presented any new phase she saw the dark side first if a burning candle stood before her the shadow of the candlestick caught her eye before the light her whole mental existence became a chain of fears but the kind-hearted woman loved her children too tenderly to permit them to see it only it was a relief to her heart when some of her evil forebodings were realized to say that she had foreseen it all no trace of this was legible in her face a countenance still pretty and pleasing in its unruffled placidity she talked very little but what she did say was sensible and proved how attentively she understood how to listen so she was welcome among barine's guests even the most distinguished received something from her because he felt that the quiet woman understood him before barine had returned that evening something had occurred which made her mother doubly regret the accident to her brother arius the day before on his way home from his sister's he had been run over by a chariot darting recklessly along the street of the king and was carried severely injured to his home where he now lay helpless and fevered nor did it lessen his sufferings to hear his two sons threaten to take vengeance on the reckless fellow who had wrought their father this mischief for he had reason to believe antyllus the perpetrator of the deed and a collision between the youths and the son of antony could only result in fresh disaster to him and his 
especially as the young roman seemed to have inherited little of his father's magnanimous generosity yet arius could not be vexed with his sons for stigmatizing in the harshest terms the conduct of the man who had gone on without heeding the accident he had cautioned his sister against the utterly unbridled youth whose father he had himself brought to her house with what good reason he had raised his voice in warning was now evident at sunset that very day several guests had arrived as usual followed by antyllus a youth of nineteen when the doorkeeper refused to admit him he had rudely demanded to see barine thrust aside the prudent old porter who endeavoured to detain him and in spite of his protestations forced his way into his dead master's workroom where the ladies usually received their visitors not until he found it empty would he retire and then he first fastened a bouquet of flowers he had brought to a statue of eros in burnt clay which stood there both the porter and barine's waiting-maid declared that he was drunk they saw it when he staggered away with the companions who had waited for him in the garden outside this unseemly and insulting conduct filled berenike with the deepest indignation it must not remain unpunished and while waiting for her daughter she imagined what evil consequences might ensue if antyllus were forbidden the house and accused to his tutor and how unbearable on the other hand he might become if they omitted to do so she was full of sad presentiments and as with such good reason she feared the worst she cherished a faint hope that her daughter might perhaps bring home some pleasant tidings for she had had the experience that events which had filled her with the utmost anxiety sometimes resulted in good fortune at last barine appeared and it was indeed long since she had clasped her mother in her arms with such joyous cheerfulness the widow's troubled heart grew lighter her daughter must have met with something unusually gratifying she looked so happy although she had surely heard what had happened here for her cloak was laid aside and her hair newly arranged so she must have been to her chamber where she was dressed by her loquacious cyprian slave who certainly could not keep to herself anything that was worth mentioning the nimble maid had shown her skill that day any stranger would take her for nineteen thought her mother how becoming the white robe and blue bordered peplum are to her how softly the azure bombyx ribbon is wound around the thick waves of her hair who would believe that no curling irons had touched the little golden locks that rests so gracefully on her brow that no paint-brush had any share in producing the rose and white hues on her cheek or the alabaster glimmer of her arms such beauty easily becomes a danai dower but it is a magnificent gift of the gods yet why did she put on the bracelet which antony gave her after his last visit scarcely on my account she can hardly expect dion at so late an hour even while i am rejoicing in the sight of her beauty some new misfortune may be impending so ran the current of her thoughts while her daughter was gaily describing what she had witnessed at her grandfather's meanwhile she had nestled comfortably among the cushions of a lounge and when she mentioned antyllus's unseemly conduct 
she spoke of it with a carelessness that startled berenike as a vexatious piece of rudeness which must not occur again but who is to prevent it asked the mother anxiously who save ourselves replied barine he will not be admitted and if he forced his way in barine's big blue eyes flashed angrily and there was no lack of decision in her voice as she exclaimed let him try it but what power have we to restrain the son of antony asked berenike i do not know i do replied her daughter i will be brief for a visitor is coming so late asked the mother anxiously archibius wishes to discuss an important matter with us the lines on the brow of the older woman smoothed but it contracted again as she exclaimed inquiringly important business at so unusual an hour ah i have expected nothing good since early morning on my way to my brother's a raven flew up before me and fluttered towards the left into the garden but i replied barine after receiving in reply to her, her inquiry a favourable report concerning her uncle's health i met seven there were neither more nor less for seven is the best of numbers seven snow-white doves which all flew swiftly towards the right the fairest of all came first bearing in its beak a little basket which contained the power that will keep antony's son away from us don't look at me in such amazement you dear receptacle of every terror but child you said that archibius was coming so late to discuss an important matter rejoined the mother he must be here soon then cease this talking in riddles i do not guess them quickly you will solve this one returned barine but we really have no time to lose so my beautiful dove was a good wise thought and what it carried in its basket you shall hear presently you see mother many will blame us though here and there some one may pity but this state of things must not continue i feel it more and more plainly with each passing day and several years must yet elapse ere this scruple becomes wholly needless i am too young to welcome as a guest every one whom this or that man presents to me true our reception-hall was my father's work-room and you my own estimable blameless mother are the hostess here but though superior to me in every respect you are so modest that you shield yourself behind your daughter until the guests think of you only when you are absent so those who seek us both merely say i am going to visit barine and there are too many who say this i can no longer choose and this thought child child interrupted her mother joyfully what god met you as you went out this morning surely you know she answered gaily it was seven doves and when i took the little basket from the bill of the first and prettiest one it told me a story do you want to hear it yes yes but be quick or we shall be interrupted then barine leaned farther back among the cushions lowered her long lashes and began once upon a time there was a woman who had a garden in the most aristocratic quarter of the city here near the paneum if you please in the autumn when the fruit was ripening she left the gate open though all her neighbours did the opposite 
to keep away unbidden lovers of her nice figs and dates she fastened on the gate a tablet bearing the inscription all may enter and enjoy the sight of the garden but the dogs will bite any one who breaks a flower treads upon the grass or steals the fruit the woman had nothing but a lap-dog and that did not always obey her but the tablet fulfilled its purpose for at first none came except her neighbours in the aristocratic quarter they read the threat and probably without it would have respected the property of the woman who so kindly opened the door to them thus matters went on for a time until first a beggar came and then a phoenician sailor and a thievish egyptian from the rakotis neither of whom could read so the tablet told them nothing and as moreover they distinguished less carefully between mine and thine one trampled the turf and another snatched from the boughs a flower or fruit more and more of the rabble came and you can imagine what followed no one punished them for the crime for they did not fear the barking of the lap-dog and this gave even those who could read courage not to heed the warning so the woman's pretty garden soon lost its peculiar charm and the fruit too was stolen when the rain at last washed the inscription from the tablet and saucy boys scrawled on it there was no harm done for the garden no longer offered any attractions and no one who looked into it cared to enter then the owner closed her gate like the neighbours and the next year she again enjoyed the green grass and the bright hues of the flowers she ate her fruit herself and the lap-dog no longer disturbed her by its barking that is said her mother if everybody was as courteous and as well-bred as gorgias lysias and the others we would gladly continue to receive them but since there are rude fellows like antyllus you have understood the story correctly barine interrupted we are certainly at liberty to invite to our house those who have learned to read our inscription to-morrow visitors will be informed that we can no longer receive them as before antyllus's conduct affords an excellent pretext her mother added every fair-minded person must understand certainly said barine and if you shrewdest of women will do your part then for the first time we can act as we please in our own home believe me child if you only do that no ifs not this time cried the young beauty raising her hand beseechingly it gives me such delight to think of the new life and if matters come to pass as i hope and wish then do not you also believe mother that the gods owe me reparation for what asked the deep voice of archibius who had entered unannounced and was now first noticed by the widow and her daughter barine hastily rose and held out both hands to her old friend exclaiming since they bring you to us they are already beginning the payment end of chapter four